Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. In this episode, we sit down with guest Terry Prendergast, South Dakota Trusts and Estates and Trust Company Attorney, for part two of our discussion on what drives South Dakota's position as a top-tier jurisdiction. This is David Warren with Bridgeford. Uh, We welcome you back to our podcast series for part two of my very interesting interview with Terry Prendergast who, of course, is a, is a very prolific South Dakota attorney, working with attorneys across the country and around the world, bringing uh, trusts into South Dakota, and, of course, working with trust companies like Bridgeford for um, charter formation and organization. So without further ado, we will continue with our interview. Well, in another area that South Dakota has been recognized as a top state, and in, in this is, uh, I think, unequivocal, particularly as you read Trust and Estates magazine articles year over year when they rate these different topics, is in the area of, of privacy. And also, um, I think, connected to that is, is asset protection. Um, so, Terry, could you comment on, on why South Dakota's privacy laws have been universally considered the strongest, not only by U.S. practitioners, but frankly, by, by practitioners all over the world? And then transition that to asset protection, the asset protection statutes, because I really think they go together in terms of a power and they, they come together to combine a powerful planning tool for families and individuals who are worried about both privacy and asset protection. So why don't we start with privacy? Why, why is yeah. South Dakota considered so strong there? Well, there's two aspects, actually, to privacy when you're talking to a grantor. One is the privacy of the trust if we ever have to go to court or file accountings or anything like that. And South Dakota is the only state, according to what practitioners tell me, where legal proceedings are automatically sealed uh, if they involve a trust. If you file something involving a trust, the court is required to automatically seal it. The clerk automatically seals it. And, you know, I I do want to emphasize one thing. When I say privacy, I don't mean secrecy. South Dakota is not the Panama Papers and secrecy. South Dakota, however, is private about people's private information. If, uh, if, a trust is filed in South Dakota, you're not going to read in the Wall Street Journal the next day that the grantor filed a trust that showed uh, this amount of assets or anything. And that's really important, uh, particularly for some families who want to keep their their wealth uh, private uh, for safety reasons, uh, mostly. Um, but uh, you know, again, privacy is not secrecy. Um, uh, the trust companies uh, all have to have South Dakota presence, deep connections. They're all audited. Like Bridgeford, as, as you know, has rigorous uh, background checks, application. It's audited by the South Dakota Division of Banking. It's subject to all the know your customer rules and the uh, various disclosures. But it is uh, also 
private if any proceedings are filed. But the second aspect of privacy is many times grantors don't want all of their beneficiaries to know about what's in the trust or when they're going to inherit or or what they're going to get from the trust. And South Dakota also has some of the top uh, abilities to do quiet trusts. And quiet trusts basically mean that, that the grantor or the trust protector that we talked about or certain other fiduciaries can, uh, including the family advisor, can direct that the trustee not disclose information about the trust including the assets or whatever, to uh, anyone or to any beneficiaries or to, uh, uh, to certain beneficiaries. And the reason that a lot of people like this is no one thinks of that they want to have their uh, grandchildren grow up to be trust fund babies. You want them to be productive members of society and you don't want them to know that they're going to get $40 million uh, uh, regardless of what they do. So I think that the uh, quiet trusts uh, goes along with the privacy, and it's, and it's very important. But also, South Dakota has been ranked uh, first or second in, in asset protection trusts. Um, Asset protection trusts are sometimes called self-settled trusts. They're trusts, irrevocable trusts that a grantor creates, that the grantor is also one of the discretionary beneficiaries. And basically those trusts, if they're properly created in South Dakota with a South Dakota uh, trustee like Bridgeford, uh, can uh, shorten the time limit for any transfers to the trust to be challenged. In South Dakota, it's uh, it's uh, two years after the transfer or uh, six months after the transfer uh, should have been discovered. Uh, a third-party discretionary trust with spendthrift provisions is a trust that my dad set up for me. Uh, and the question is whether... Um, my creditors can get to it while it's in trust? And the answer is no. A first party domestic asset protection trust is a trust that I set up for myself with my own assets. And the question is whether a creditor can get at those assets before they're distributed to me. Um, Many times we couple these with uh, limited liability companies because South Dakota has uh, great protections in limited liability companies. And, you know, a number of states now have asset protection trusts, but if you look at the commentators, uh, and in fact, Mr. Oceans is, is one of the ones who rates them every year, and uh, he's rated, uh, he, he's from Nevada and he's rated South Dakota second only to Nevada, and really the only difference I can see is that Nevada also allows uh, 
child support to be sheltered uh, in a domestic asset protection trust. South Dakota does not allow that. Um, if you owe child support, uh, that child support creditor can uh, go through the asset protection trust, but they are the only type of creditor. Tort creditors cannot, uh, alimony creditors cannot, other creditors cannot, only child support creditors. And I guess uh, we in South Dakota feel that if you want to create an asset protection trust and the sole purpose is to uh, not pay your child support, then maybe you better go to a different state. Yeah, I would agree with that, Terry. I don't think Bridford would want to work with somebody that would, that's the sole reason for their asset protection trust. Well, those are excellent uh, points, and, and and I appreciate you going through those topics. I, I wanted to focus, shift focus a little bit now to, to aspects of South Dakota law um, that are unique to South Dakota, or at least to your knowledge are unique to South Dakota, or or really, I guess another way of saying it is what you're told by attorneys across the country and around the world as to why they come to South Dakota. And, you know, we've talked about some great modern law trust concepts that um, are available in the top tier trust jurisdictions um, like Nevada and Delaware. And you know, they're all compared. And we've mentioned several times that South Dakota has, has been considered top in many of these areas. But there are a couple of different nuances that I like to talk a lot about with, with our folks that, that I think um, are, are often overlooked. So, Terry, could you talk about some, some aspects of things about South Dakota that you're told are specific to South Dakota? We've already touched on the family advisor. So why don't, you, why don't you talk about your knowledge in terms of whether that even exists anywhere else and then transition to other topics? Right. I, uh, when our trust task force passed the family advisor uh, three years ago, we were told that no other state had anything uh, like that. And the thing that's really good about it, David, is that when we work with out-of-state uh, attorneys, advisors, investment advisors, accountants who have discovered South Dakota and want to bring their clients to South Dakota, one of the things that that they want to do and that the clients want is they trust these people and, and they want to ha these people to have some involvement. Uh, and so as they uh, uh, pass the clients to a trust company in South Dakota, they can still be involved uh, uh, as a non-fiduciary and a uh, the statute allows reasonable compensation to the family advisor so that that uh, it's not like we in South Dakota or we attorneys in South Dakota are stealing their clients from them. They're still deeply involved with the trust and the family, and that makes the family more comfortable too because a lot of these families may not have heard of South Dakota or uh, what they've heard may have only been... Uh, uh, Deadwood and, and Mount Rushmore or Sturgis. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, there's a lot more to, to South Dakota than that. The, uh, uh, the other aspects that, that we hear that clients really like are uh, South Dakota is one of the only states, and I've been told it is the only one uh, by some advisors, 
that allows a special purpose entity to serve as these directed trustee provision uh, positions. So uh, we talked about a trust protector. We talked about an investment trust advisor. We talked about a distribution trust advisor. All of those uh, may be fiduciaries, and many of them uh, are individuals that uh, would like to uh, have a uh, liability protection around them. And so South Dakota allows them to form what's called a special purpose entity, which is generally an LLC or it can be a corporation, but an entity that serves only the purpose of being a trust protector, investment trust advisor, or distribution trust advisor. This is important for two major reasons. One I talked about is liability protection, but many states impose state income tax on the basis of the location of any fiduciary. And so if you've moved, for example, a California trust to South Dakota uh, because you like the fact that South Dakota has a zero income tax and California had 13% income tax, but you've kept your brother in uh, California uh, individually as an investment trust advisor, now you've got a fiduciary in California where California can impose its uh, tax. I've been told by California attorneys and a number of them that I've worked with in moving trust to South Dakota that these special entities uh, that uh, are special purpose entities uh, are, since they're South Dakota LLCs, they are South Dakota residents. Uh, we put necessary provisions in their operating agreement to ensure that none of the fiduciary decisions by that LLC are made in the state of California. Uh, they allow us to have insurance, continuity of existence, uh, tax situs. Uh, we can all handle those, uh, those roles of distribution advisor, uh, trust protector or investment trust advisor within the LLC, and it's uh, specifically then protected uh, in the LLC and, and provides us a, a tax nexus with South Dakota. Another trust element that many advisors like, and South Dakota, uh, I'll admit, was later than Alaska on this, is uh, a community property trust, or in South Dakota, it's called a special spousal purpose trust. And this really wasn't tremendously important uh, for many folks until we got the, the, uh, the new tax law and uh, income tax planning became a portion of uh, trust and estates planning, but the way that a community prop, uh, the way that uh, the general tax law works on capital gains is that there's a number of states, uh, 
uh, nine of them that are community property states. And if a husband and wife own property together in a community property state, whichever one of them dies, the survivor gets a 100% step up in basis. The general rule in the other 41 states, uh, of which South Dakota was one and of which uh, Pennsylvania is one, uh, uh, pretty much most all states east of the Mississippi are what's called common law states. And the Internal Revenue Service states that if a husband and wife own property together in those states, uh, whichever one of them dies, the survivor gets a 50% step up in basis. But the survivor's property is uh, is at the uh, lower basis. Well, as you can imagine, in people who own uh, uh, low basis stock or uh, low basis farmland or uh, low basis real estate, uh, this is a real issue for them uh, because many times a survivor will want to uh, sell that property and, and uh, live off the income. Uh, 20 years ago, Alaska passed what was called an elective community property trust and provided that you followed the terms of the trust and you transferred the property in. Alaska said as a matter of our state property law, um, this type of uh, situation where the husband and wife both create the trust and transfer property and will be considered community property and will get a 100% step up in basis. South Dakota waited a while, in fact, 18 years, to be sure that there was no IRS rulings against that, no challenges to it, no court challenges to it. And South Dakota passed its own version. And so now we have that same provision. There's a third state, Tennessee, that also has that provision among the common law states. And so essentially what that means is if I own uh, Facebook stock, well, that's probably not a good example now, but if I own some stock with a very low basis uh, along with my wife, we can transfer that into a South Dakota special spousal purpose trust. Um, it can be held in the trust and we don't have to guess which one of us is going to die first because we know whichever one of us dies first, the survivor is going to get a 100% step up in basis until the date of death on that property. And then the survivor can go ahead and sell it. Um, there are, you know, with with the rate of, uh, of uh, uh, capital gains tax, um, that can be a tremendous savings when we're talking about about uh, a lot of zeros on on the step up, and I guess oh, the final. Oh, and I was going to say, Terry, particularly when you combine it with South Dakota's no income stack, no income tax status for um, undistributed and undistributed income. Um, that, that we're talking about a real potential powerful um, tax play here. Absolutely, and David, I guess the final point, and it might be a little esoteric for for some folks, but it's it it's really. Uh, appropriate in certain circumstances is 
with respect to private placement life insurance put in a South Dakota trust or held by a South Dakota trustee, we've got special statutes that allow the trustee to have an insurable interest in uh, life insurance in a trust or in a settlor's uh, life. And we say, well, why is that important, Terry? Why does that even matter? The reason it matters is because South Dakota has one of the lowest state premium taxes for insurance in the country. It's got eight basis points. Most states have 200 to 250 basis points. Some have even higher. And what the, when you buy private placement insurance, uh, it's not standard rate insurance. It's insurance that you may pay substantial premiums for, but it's designed to allow a, uh, a buildup of investments within the policy. Um, and if you're paying $10 million for a policy, uh, the difference between eight basis points and 250 basis points uh, uh, is, is very substantial uh, and uh, would more than pay for any attorney's fees. You know, Terry, it's funny you say it's esoteric, and I agree when we were getting ready to, when we selected our trust jurisdiction um, to where to charter Bridgeford, I, I remember reading a lot about that eight or nine years ago, and, and actually talked to insurance professionals, and often they didn't know what that was, and then now, as we talk about it today, it's particularly compelling, as you said, in the PPLI setting, and it's talked about a lot, and as, as I see it, it's drawn, drawn a lot of people into South Dakota. You know, I appreciate us going through these topics. I mean, clearly, the, these are the reasons why people are coming to South Dakota. Um, your great work in the state has really set the stage for a lot of these modern trust laws, and, and clearly, we're proud to be a South Dakota Charter Trust Company. And along those lines, Terry, you know, in addition to you helping us and representing us through the charter process uh, back in 2011 and 2012, uh, you recently represented Bridgeford Trust Company um, through a merger with Delta Trust Company. Uh, and we're very excited that uh, that was very smooth. And of course, you and your firm did an excellent job as usual. Um, but the question is from, from our perspective, or my question to you rather, from your perspective, is um, if you could talk about, and I guess the specific question is, have you seen a merger like that of its kind in South Dakota? And do you have some, some thoughts around it? Um, I believe, and I've been told that that was the first merger of two ongoing trust companies. Delta had its own presence in Pierre, South Dakota, was a, uh, a strong and long-term trust company. Uh, I'd worked with Delta for many years before I'd even uh, heard of Bridgeford or, or before I'd even uh, met you all in 2008. Um, and uh, long-term, uh, headed by uh, Todd Bernhardt and Linda Fowler. Uh, Todd was a longtime member as well with me on the governor's task force and just a real solid uh, administrative company. Bridgeford came in in 2008 and has really uh, done great things since you've come here. You've You've expanded the market for South Dakota trusts. You've done great job educating and uh, and going 
out from South Dakota to speak to advisors all over the country and some international to uh, to extol the virtues of South Dakota and bring great uh, great information about South Dakota trusts and why South Dakota is a place to have trusts. Uh, Bridgeford, I know, is one of the fastest growing uh, trust companies in South Dakota. And so a few years ago when we began exploring this merger, I was just thrilled because I thought that there was so many synergies. Uh, Bridgeford here had an office in Sioux Falls. Uh, uh, the office for Delta, the primary office is in in Pier. Uh, now you'd have offices uh, both places. You would have uh, a... Uh, tremendous uh, group of trusts coming in. Uh, you get to take advantage of the long-term administrative capabilities and the long-term uh, marketing and educational capabilities uh, of each firm. And really, as I said, uh, synergistic was the only adjective that came to my mind because you were taking the skills and the the advantages of one trust company and melding it with the skills and advantages uh, of another trust company, which were slightly different. And uh, I just think it's, it's made, it's added uh, tremendous strength to the company. And uh, I think that uh, uh, this merger has uh, shown all of us that, you know, it, it can be done and you can, uh, you can take uh, companies like that, and uh, one plus one sometimes does equal three. <laughs> well, Terry, I appreciate your perspective on it, and, and really the truth is uh, Bridgeford wouldn't be anywhere where it is today through inception and merger without you and your great guidance and expertise, and so I appreciate that very much uh, in addition to your friendship over the years, and um, appreciate you participating in, in what is going to be the first of, I believe, to be a very successful podcast series. Um, we very much appreciate your time today and your knowledge and expertise. And um, going forward, I know that we'll continue to call on you for your knowledge and expertise. Thanks again for listening to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. For more information, visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.